Tennessee football's recruiting class got a whole lot better Monday afternoon. The second cornerback commits in as many days. We'll tell you all about four-star Jordan Matthews and all your mailback questions coming up here on a Tuesday. Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. I do radio in Knoxville, Tennessee at 99.1 The Sports Animal. I cover Vols recruiting, football, baseball, basketball, whatever there is, at VolQuest.com as well. That's the Rivals affiliate of the University of Tennessee. We've got a loaded show coming up. Jordan Matthews commits to the Big Orange. Now Tennessee sitting at 21 total commits for the class of 2023. We're going to break that down right here from the top because I know that's what you guys want to hear all about. We'll answer your Twitter Tuesday questions for this mailbag edition as well in segment three. And, you know, Tennessee, where there's some good, there's a little bit of bad, but it's all depending on how you look at it. It's not necessarily bad because it's just a preseason poll, but Tennessee just missing out. The AP Top 25, we'll get over that in segment number three as well. Hey, thank you so much for making Locked On Balls your first listen each and every day, subscribing on YouTube and listening wherever you find your podcast. Do want to uh, do a, a quick little apology. Those that find this podcast on YouTube, a little technical difficulties here uh, yesterday. I scheduled it to go out at the normal time overnight, 12.05 Eastern time. It obviously did not. I think I got that puppy up and running around 8 o'clock in the morning. So if you guys like that more, let me know in the comment section. I've always been thinking about experimenting by dropping the audio portion overnight and then the, the YouTube portion in the morning. But if that's something you like, let me know, but do want to apologize for that. I know a lot of you guys said, uh, you know, uh, listen to this on the way to work in the morning. So that won't happen again, but uh, to the good stuff, Jordan Matthews committing to the university of Tennessee. As I mentioned, you've got Tennessee now with 21 total commits for the class of 2023 and uh, Tennessee now sits at 8th in the country per rival, so was sitting at 10th, even with the addition of Ricky Gibson on Sunday, now jumping inside that top 10, was already top 10, but now jumping inside the top 10, all the way to number 8 after the addition of Jordan Matthews. Six foot one, 175 pounds, a 5.9 rivals rating, and uh, that is one little click uh, below going to a... Um, a 6.0, which would have been a five-star uh, per rival's uh, grading metric. Uh, Jordan Matthews is a the 126th overall prospect in the country. That's per rival's 125, excuse me, 11th player graded out of the state of Louisiana. He's from Baton Rouge, 18th at his position. Now that gives Tennessee three quarterbacks for the class of 2023. This was a huge deal for Josh Heupel, for Willie Martinez, and for this Tennessee's recruiting class of 2023. Why? Well, a lot of the headlines you might have seen, Tennessee shocks recruiting world, Tennessee shocks Texas, all that type of stuff. And I will call it an upset. Texas was favored to win this matchup. It, it came down between Texas, Tennessee, and I think his third team was Michigan, but he was never going to Michigan. Um, he took the official visit to Texas last. He came to he came here to Tennessee officially, I want to say the last weekend of June. And then at the end of July, he went to Texas but ended up picking Tennessee here on a Monday, August the 15th. And uh, what an addition for Willie Martinez. Willie Martinez has been recruiting his tail off for the University of Tennessee, bringing in Christian Conyer, bringing in Ricky Gibson two days ago, and then yesterday bringing in Jordan Matthews. Tennessee now sits with three cornerback commits, 
a three-star and two four-star per rivals, six overall defensive back commits, three safeties to go along with Jack Luttrell, Sylvester Smith, and of course, John Slaughter in Tennessee now uh, just racking them up. 21 commits for the class of 2023. So uh, again, think about this. Uh, go back to Saturday. Go back to Friday. Uh, go back to Sunday morning. Tennessee had one cornerback commit. Now, as we sit here on Tuesday morning, you fast forward, what is it, 26 hours later, Tennessee picks up two in Ricky Gibson and now Jordan Matthews. Uh, Jordan Matthews is a really, really talented player. Let's hear from Adam Gordon. This is a, a quote I got from uh, the director of recruiting uh, for rivals, Adam Gorney. This is on Jordan Matthews. Quote, Jordan Matthews is a very good-sized cornerback who can turn and run with receivers and then compete for the ball. He's a kid uh, who is kind of long and lean right now, definitely a legit six foot one. I stopped by his school this offseason and saw him. He only weighs about 165 to 170, so he's never going to be this big, jacked-up cornerback, but he's strong, super bouncy, and athletic. He is going to compete for balls, get in receivers' face, and use that link to his advantage. He's very, very talented guy, a competitive guy on the field. That's what we like most about him. And quote again, that is from Adam Gordon, the director of recruiting at Rivals. Uh, I did my impact analysis up there at BallQuest.com. I'm sure some of you guys have read it. If not, go check it out. But some some Cliff Nose versions of that uh, really physical player. That's what Tennessee's getting in Jordan Matthews. Um, he plays at the cornerback position. He's got all the intangibles that you want in a lockdown cornerback, including the ability to run in man coverage, displaying closing speed and zone coverage as well. He shows a great vertical and high point in the football, resulting in so many different types of deflected passes and interceptions. He stays on the backside hip of his receiver. That gives him plenty of room to go and make a move when the ball is coming his way in the air. Against the run, Matthew storms downfield, sets that edge appropriately, and that's so important when you're talking about cornerbacks. You don't often think of you know, cornerbacks being important and vital in the run game. Uh, they're the edge player. Like You can't let anything get outside of you. You can't get washed down from wide receiver. You can't creep in and get cracked back. You can't do any of that. you got to set the edge and force everything inside, and he does a great job. Uh, with that as well. When he's the nub corner, that means that, you know, they might have overloads or trips to the one side and a tight end to this side. You know, there's no wide receivers. He scoots in, plays that boundary corner to uh, to that side of the field and plays like an outside linebacker, uh, never giving up the outside, forcing everything inside to his teammates. He's a very physical player. He's very physical with his press coverage uh, off the line of scrimmage, shows great catch-up speed as well, especially when the play is rolling away from them. You know, we talk about this all the time when the field shrinks and you're rolling away from, uh, you know, the quarterback might be rolling to one of the boundaries, and so the wide receivers must flow with it. Same with the defenders. If the wide receivers are flowing, the defenders have to flow as well because the field is shrinking. Does a really good job in that regard. Uh, really skilled at defending the pass. His run fits are next level good. The new pledge for Tennessee also has experience in playing the slot corner. When needed, that's the star position, and is really good at defending the perimeter passing game, such as screens or bubbles or anything like that. Uh, like I said, gives Tennessee this commitment, gives Tennessee three solid cornerbacks that the staff really, really feels good about coming into the summer. Tennessee was in on Conyer, Christian Conyer, Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson, and Jakeem Jackson. Now, Jakeem Jackson ended up picking Florida, but coming away with three of your top four targets entering the summer, that's some pretty solid work there for for the Volunteers and for Willie Martinez. Uh, Tennessee could say goodbye, depending on COVID years and redshirt years of eligibility, to Kamal Haddon, Warren Burrell, and Brandon Turnage. If they decide if they want to come back or not, I would assume the, the majority of that trio I just mentioned would probably like to come back. But stocking up on cornerbacks, getting them in the system, all that, it's very important. And Jordan Matthews is a guy that I think can play. So 
21 commits really balanced across the board for Tennessee recruiting right now. New names will always continue to emerge, but uh, as you progress towards signing day in December, but the priorities moving forward remain on the line of scrimmage at offensive and defensive tackle. Uh, the Vols could also add another running back via the transfer portal, um, and that's obviously a, a, an option in today's game. So a huge get for the University of Tennessee and four-star cornerback Jordan Matthews. Much of a surprise. You know, we've uh, you know all surprised who covers recruiting better than anyone on the Tennessee beat. Uh, he, he maintained, you know, for the last couple of weeks, Tennessee's in this. Tennessee's in this much more than anybody will give him credit for. They have great dialogue. They talk about his fit in the system, his fit in the back end. They watch film together. They talk on the phone. Tennessee is in this. Everybody was picking Florida. Excuse me. Everybody was picking Texas. Everybody was leaning Texas. But leading up to the decision, he went completely dark. He went completely silent. Didn't talk to anybody local or national. That's why, you know, a, a lot of the national experts didn't have a pick or a prediction or a crystal ball or anything because, you know, they they, they were in, in the dark as well. So good on Jordan Matthews for keeping everybody quiet. Uh, not only is he a standout on the football field, Jordan Matthews clocks a 10-6-6 in the, in the 100-meter dash, a 21-27 in the 200-meter dash, and he's the son of uh, Rashawn Matthews, former linebacker at LSU, and an NFL Europe player. So athleticism, it's in his blood. Um, he comes from a very athletic family, and Tennessee has just gotten a good one. What a day for Tennessee recruiting. What a, what a two-day stretch. Tennessee again now up to number eight in the country per rivals. 21 overall commits for the class of 2023, and very balanced across the board. So that was the highlights from a Monday afternoon. Jordan Thomas, excuse me, Jordan Matthews. Jordan Thomas committed to Tennessee and signed and is already in camp right now. Uh, that was, you know, as a safety, uh, but Jordan Matthews commits to the University of Tennessee and, you know, Tennessee will have to play keep away. LSU's not been a factor right now, but he is from Baton Rouge. So Tennessee will have to, you know, fend off LSU as, you know, things move closer to December, but a good day for the University of Tennessee as uh, the volunteers pick up the commit from Jordan Matthews. All right. So when we come back, we'll get to your mailbag questions here on this Twitter Tuesday edition of Locked On Balls. But first, I want to remind you guys about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline.net continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head on over to the website today, that's betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn about all the latest trends and all the action. Betonline.net, it is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, welcome back into Locked On Vols. It is your team, the Tennessee Volunteers, every single day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked On Vols. Your first listen. Before we get into the mailbag, the Twitter Tuesday questions, I've got some answers for you guys as well. 
Um, I've been getting blown up in the comment section here on uh, on Locked Off Vols here on YouTube, and a lot of you guys are wanting to cross over with uh, with the Talking Vols podcast, and uh, you know we're gonna make it happen. I'm gonna join their podcast Wednesday night, so really, really looking forward to that. Gonna have those guys uh, join us over here on Locked On Vols at some point. So uh, I know you a lot of guys, uh, a lot of you guys have uh, asked about it. It is gonna happen Wednesday night is when I'm gonna join uh, that podcast, and we're gonna get uh, representation from them over here as well. So. Uh, really do appreciate that, and uh, you guys wanted it, so we're going to make it happen. So uh, mark it down on your calendars on a Wednesday night. Okay, so let's go into the Twitter Tuesday questions right here on Locked on Vols. And as always, you can put them in Facebook. You can put them uh, on the YouTube channel and the DMs, all that and a whole lot more. Uh, we will first go to – let me turn that down. We will first go to uh, – let's see here to the YouTube channels, trying to find my marker here. Okay, here we go. Uh, we'll start with D. Bolero. Um, if I mispronounce that, I do apologize. Which wideouts are left on the coaches board? Any chance we look at a second tight end for the 2023 class? Um, As far as a second tight end, I, I don't believe so. I mean, it could always change. Um, but you got Ethan Davis right now. You got Miles Campbell, who they really, really like. Uh, Jacob Warren could potentially come back for another year if he so chooses. Princeton fan is done after this year. So I think you're fine at tight end, but I wouldn't ever rule it out. Obviously, the transfer portal is there if you need it as well. And you've got three wide receiver commits, Nate Spillman, Cam Selden, and um, Nathan Laycock in there right now. So uh, another name I've been hearing about, I talked to this prospect last week, Traylon Ray, a wide receiver out of Florida. He's had really good communication with Kelsey Pope here lately. Uh, in terms of a 2024 wide receiver, uh, Mario Craver, not saying he's going to commit anytime soon, but there's a lot of good traction there between Tennessee and Mario Craver as well. Uh, we'll move on to Adam. What does it really mean for a high school athlete to commit? How many times can they change their mind before reporting for camp? When do you really know they are going to play for a specific team? Good question, because in the recruiting, a lot of times the joke is the commitment means nothing, right? Until you sign that national letter of intent, whether it be in December, which is where most athletes sign them now, or at the traditional recruiting signing day in February, you can commit and you can decommit as many times as you want. Now, you don't want to do that because then you'll get a reputation as being a guy that's just not all the way in or being easily swayed or something like that. But you do see it. I mean, that's part of recruiting. The, you know, 24 to 48 hours leading up to signing day every single year, you see flips and decommits and all that type of stuff all the time. But until you sign your national letter of intent, you can commit and decommit as many times as you want. You sign that national letter of intent. And then if you want to get out of that and into the transfer portal, you got to go through that process. So if they sign, then you feel good about it. Of course, now you can always enter the transfer portal. But once you sign that NLI, then uh, you're feeling you know pretty good about things. We will head over to at underscore Kaner and check my DMs. You guys are always welcome to uh, put some stuff in there. We'll start with Josh. Reading coaching bios, you often find someone is or was an associate slash assistant head coach. Refresh our minds as to what the jobs include under those titles. At the end of the day, it's a pay raise. Okay, If you are listed as an associate head coach, then a lot of times like in basketball, uh, Mike Schwartz was the associate head coach. Let's say Rick Barnes couldn't coach for a game. Say you got... I mean, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm just saying example, you know, we live in the era of COVID say Rick Barnes got COVID couldn't coach a game, you know, Mike Schwartz before leaving, you know, would have stepped in. He's the associate head coach. Um, as far as football, you know, there's associate head coaches as well. It's nothing but a title. It's a pay raise. Um, stuff like that uh, is, is more than anything. That's kind of how you differentiate an associate and an assistant. 
uh, but an associate is higher on the pecking order and it is a pay raise. Uh, we'll go now to Jamie. And Jamie wants to know, one Thursday last week, it showed Georgia as the favorite and had Ricky Gibson as a four-star. But as soon as he commits to Tennessee, he turns into a three-star. This has happened many times this year with other recruits. I was just wondering why it happens. Um, well, I looked it up. I mean, Ricky Gibson, you know, I work for Rival or for VolQuest, which is an Rivals affiliate. So I can only speak for Rivals for the most part. Uh, Ricky Gibson has always been a three-star for Rivals. Um, I looked him up before this podcast, and, you know, of course, I didn't look it up in the days prior to his commitment, but he's a three-star across the board. On three, two, four, seven, ESPN, um, he's a three-star across the board. Now, a lot of times, you will see one service rate someone as a four-star where he's a three-star somewhere else. It just really depends on where you go. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, Sham Uvarov, the the uh, offensive tackle, uh, Tennessee got a commitment for a couple months ago. He's a three-star rated prospect per rivals but i'm pretty sure at 247 he's a four star so you know it just kind of depends on where you at it so a lot of times like maybe the losing team that fan base will say oh he was just a three star or whatever but he could have been a four star on another side so just kind of depends on where you look but ricky gibson's been a three star consistently for rivals and um i can tell i can i can tell you that for sure because of course that's uh, the service that I use and I work for. Let's go to Jason. Jason says, can you help me understand why Darnell Wright isn't playing left tackle this season? Good question. Uh, you've said he feels more comfortable at right tackle. So does that mean he basically told the staff that he doesn't want to play left tackle? And if so, why wouldn't you want to play left tackle? Uh, he had his best year last year at left tackle and he could build upon that for a bigger payday in the NFL by playing left tackle. I feel like I'm missing the logic here. no, <laughs> Jason, that's something I I was pondering the entire spring and you know spring practice whenever they had him on the right side. I'm sitting here saying, okay, you had all these expectations coming in, and you played and you played a right tackle, and, and you never met those expectations as a former five star prospect. You go over to the left side, which at the time was a little worrisome, and you have the best year that you've had, you know, so far. Now you're flipping back over to the right side. Um, I think more so than anything, it's about Glenn Ellerby. It's about the offensive line coach. Sometimes prospect, excuse me, he's not a prospect anymore. Sometimes players just, um, you know, go off with a position coach. They can relate. They can they can teach and understand and, and all that. Sometimes there's a change of scenery uh, that can they can benefit you. But I can say that he is more comfortable on the right side. And the reason he's on the right side, A, I think he prefers it. Also, I think that he's more comfortable there for where he can maybe play a little bit better. But the other off the tackles you have, Gerald Mincy, he can't play anything but left tackle. Gerald Mincy is in competition to be the starting left tackle for Tennessee along with J.J. Crawford. J.J. Crawford can play both, but Gerald Mincy can only play left. So in order to get your best five out there, if it if Gerald Mincy were to win that, that job, would you rather have Gerald Mincy at left and Darnell right over there or maybe have Gerald Mincy, who might deserve to be starting, backing up a Darnell right on the left side and then promoting a Dane Davis or maybe flipping Jeremiah Crawford over. I think it's just a way to potentially get your best five out there. Now, if Gerald Mincy wins that job, I don't know. We're going to have to find out, but I know he can only play left. So, you know, Dane Davis is a guy that can, is a swing guy. He can play either one. Uh, I think Jeremiah Crawford is more comfortable on the left side, but he can play either one. Uh, but I think more than anything, it's about the position coach and about the comfort level. And so we'll see. But that's a great question because I wondered that for a long time too over the spring, and that's just kind of what I've been told. Really, really good question there uh, from uh, Jason. Uh, we will go now to Kurt. Kurt wants to know, 
fill in the blank. If the Vols go nine and three this year, they will go to the blank bowl. I will say the citrus bowl. Also, if your answer isn't already one of them, is there any scenario they make a New Year's Six Bowl? Oh, yeah. If Tennessee goes 9-3 and three, with the power of the T, the fan base that travels, you go 9-3, and three, likely finishing inside the top 15, top 16, somewhere around there, you're probably going to be destined for a New Year's Six Bowl. And I would imagine that would be the Citrus Bowl. So good question there. All right. So let's go to the Facebook page. And you guys are always more than welcome to drop in any questions you have on the Facebook page as well. Eric does it pretty routinely throughout the weeks, and uh, we will pull up uh, Eric's question right now as I do this by hand. I apologize. Eric says, with the commits, with the commitments of two elite edge rushers and two very high ceiling corners, could this be one of the better defensive class in the past several years? Uh, yeah, I really do. I mean, you look up and down this committed class right now. I mean, you got, let's see here. Jeremiah T. Lander, who's the three-star for rivals that they really like. Caleb Herring, who's the top player in the state of Tennessee at linebacker. Jalen Smith, who Georgia wanted but couldn't, didn't have room for. Uh, Nathan Robinson and Trevor Duncan, uh, two in-state guys that I think have really high ceilings. Tyree Weathersby, who's a really nice player that I think is going to blossom. Sean Davian Bradley's a top 35 player in the entire country. He's a four-star. Uh, Sylvester Smith's a top 70 player in the country. is a four-star. Uh, Christian Conyer, the top player out of Kentucky, is a four-star. Jordan Matthews, the guy that just committed. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You've got two really good pass rushers, two, uh, three corners that I like, two corners I really, really like, um, and, and some good guys at safety and at linebacker. So I really do think this could turn into being one of Tennessee's better recruiting classes on the defensive side of the football uh, of, of the last couple of years. A couple more here, and then we will call it quits here for this edition of uh, Twitter Tuesday. We got one over on the Locked On Balls channel, and we'll go to Alex. If Tennessee can have a season like Ole Miss did last year, do you think it could propel this 2023 class into a solid top three signing class? Um, I'll probably say no. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not a good class. That doesn't mean that uh, Tennessee might not get interest from some other commits that might want to flip or decommit or whatever. But, I mean, keep in mind, you've got Texas is up there that's killing it. Alabama's up there and it's killing it. Miami is up there and it's killing it. Um, Notre Dame's up there. They're killing it. I mean, I don't I don't see those teams dropping a whole lot. Now, you know, Tennessee could potentially steal some commits from Florida State, Lucas Simmons, Keldrick Fox, some of those guys who they've been in on before if there's a coaching change there. But even there, could you bump inside the top five? Maybe so. But top three, I'll say probably not uh, the top three, but uh, good question regardless. All right, guys, thank you as always for making Twitter Tuesday, getting me in your, uh, your, your mailbag questions, making it a success. Really, really do appreciate that. Every single Tuesday on the show, Locked on Vols, you guys have questions, I answer it. It's when you take over the show, and we will do it again next Tuesday as well. Guys, thanks so much. We'll come back, talk the AP Top 25 and why the Vols aren't in there. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a final segment left here of Locked on Vols here on a Tuesday. Fall camp is still going on back on the practice field Tuesday and Wednesday, an off day on Thursday, and then Friday. And then, hey, that'll be it in terms of practice viewing for media members like me. So we got to soak in all we can get before they shut it down. Uh, they will still have plenty of uh, media availabilities for players and assistant coaches, but only a couple more practices that we can view, and it's not like we get to see much anyway. But still, a little is better than nothing. The AP Top 25 College Football Poll came out, the first edition. And technically, it's called preseason, but it is the first edition for Week 1. 
that rolled out Monday afternoon, and your Tennessee Volunteers were not inside the top 25. Am I shocked? No. Surprised a little bit. I know they finished, like, what, second or third team in terms of receiving votes for the coaches poll, so that put them at, like, 27 or 28. Um, more media members vote in the AP Top 25, obviously, and Tennessee's kind of a darling team, and so I thought that they would squeak in that Top 25. I, I thought they'd be anywhere from around 23, 24, 25. Uh, did not make the Top 25. However, Tennessee finished the first outside the Top 25. They received the most votes from teams that were left out. Tennessee received 180 votes, and then Texas received 164 votes. The so Tennessee... Uh, picked up 16 more votes than the 27th team of this poll. You know, top 25. Tennessee was the first team out, essentially. So is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. It's preseason. It is what it is. But what does that poll look like? All right. Um, you know, quickly, 1 through 10, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Utah, Michigan, Oklahoma, Baylor. 11 through 20s, Oregon, Oklahoma State, North Carolina State, USC, Michigan State, Miami, Pittsburgh, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Kentucky, and then 21 through 25 is Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. Let's break it down even more, okay? Um, teams of note, shall we? Number one is Alabama. No shocker there. Number three is the reigning uh, NCAA champions, national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. At number six, it is Texas A&M. At number 17, it's Tennessee's week two opponent in Pitt. All right, Pat Narduzzi, Keaton Slovis. Uh, no more Jordan Addison, no more Kenny Pickett, but Pitt sits there at number 17. Arkansas is at number 19. Kentucky is at number 20. And Ole Miss is at number 21. Really interesting there. I can't, I don't have a huge beef with Kentucky being at 20. I don't have a huge beef with Arkansas being a, a top 20 team at 19, but Arkansas is going to finish what? Maybe second in the West, likely third. We'll see what AM has to say about that. Uh, they'll be pushing for second in the West, but, um, you know, we'll see. Ole Miss at number 21. Ole Miss had a, I believe, I should really look this up by now. I apologize. I believe Ole Miss had its first 10-win season ever in program history. Maybe first 10-win regular season, potentially. Had a really, really good year. Um, no doubt about it. But you lost both coordinators, both play callers. You lost your quarterback that was a Heisman finalist. I understand you went out and got Jackson Dart. I, went, I understand you went out and got this tied in and that running back and that linebacker and the transfer portal king and all that. And I don't think Ole Miss is going to be a bad football team. I'm just saying, you know, it, it, it's not like you're going to have another 10-win regular season. So I'm a little intrigued why Ole Miss is all the way up there at number 21. I just don't see it. I, I just don't really see it. Now, again, same thing for Pitt. The ACC, in my opinion, is wide open. You've got Clemson all the way up here at number four. I think Clemson could be a college football playoff team yet again. They return so much from that defense. They've got playmakers on offense. If you can just get adequate quarterback play, they won 10 games last season, and everyone considered them as taking a, a big old step back. I Get get decent quarterback play and see what happens. Right, That defense is going to be coming to play every single week. But I think the ACC is wide open. Pitt's going to take a step back. NC State, what are you going to do there? Wake Forest, NC State's number 13 in the country. You know, Can you really challenge, can you really challenge uh, in, in the ACC? We're going to find out. Pitt is losing, as we pointed out, uh, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, who won the Blitnikoff Award last year, is the best, essentially the best receiver, one of the best playmakers in all college football. You're going to take a step back. I understand you've got that front seven. I understand you returned some on the offensive line. I understand Keaton Slovis is not a horrible quarterback option. But in my opinion, you're going to take a step back. You will not win 10 games, okay? You will not win 10 games again. Is Pitt going to contend for an ACC championship? 
I don't believe so. Wake Forest, who comes in at the polls there at 22, you're out. You're without your um, all-star quarterback for who knows how long, Sam Hartman, and that's that's a really a tough situation there and non-football-related medical condition. It's unfortunate. I like seeing good football players play football on Saturdays, and he's one of them. But how long can Wake Forest survive? That 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 total is at eight and a half. They started, I mean, it was still up there Friday morning whenever the news broke Thursday night that he wasn't going to be playing. I was recommending, I was, you know, advising everybody to listen on the radio that morning was to go and steal that under, go and steal that under. But you know, we'll see. Cincinnati's in there at 23, Houston's in there at 24, BYU's at 25. I don't see Cincinnati going back to the college football playoff, but do you have to give them a salute there because they made the college football playoff last year? I guess so. I'm not seeing Houston compete for anything. You know, BYU is BYU. So, I mean, you can't really you can't really be too upset about it. Tennessee finished 7 and 6 at the end of the day last year, okay? But Tennessee will jump inside that top 25. If Tennessee starts, say you beat Ball State, say you beat Pitt in week two, Tennessee will definitely jump inside the top 25. Potentially, it could be a top 25 showdown between Pitt and Tennessee week two up there at uh, America Trust or whatever they call Heinz Field nowadays in week two. Um, but you beat Pitt, go ahead and beat Akron there in week three. You showdown with Florida. Goodness gracious, you beat Florida. You're You're talking about a top 15 Tennessee Volunteers team on a bye and then heading down to the bayou to take on the Tigers in Death Valley. So it's fun to think about. It truly is. Not the end of the world, guys. Tennessee just outside the top 25, receiving the most votes from teams not inside the top 25 with 180, 16 more than Texas, who finished second out right behind the Volunteers. But not the end of the world. Tennessee, a couple wins to begin the season, maybe after week one, but eh, probably there'll be an upset there in the top 25, I'm sure of it. Um, but absolutely after week two of Tennessee beats Pitt, they'll jump inside the top 25. So we'll have to see. All right. A busy, busy show. Fun show. Tennessee picks up the commits of Jordan Matthews. Uh, your mailbag questions. A lot of good questions in here. Always get them in there. At underscore Kaner, at Lockdown Balls, the YouTube channels, the DMs, the tweets, Facebook, at Kaner on Air, wherever you guys can find space. Ask me a question. I try to bookmark them as the week goes on and uh, go back and revisit those. And, of course, we talked balls not in the AP Top 25. Woo, busy, busy show. Hope you guys have a great start to your Tuesday. Kill the day. And uh, now that you're done listening to Locked On Vols and you always make that your first listen and your first watch on YouTube, check out Locked On SEC. We're still in preseason. Chris Gordy still, you know, churning out those interviews he got at SEC Media Days. Great stuff there. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC. Make that your second listen behind Locked On Vols, which is your first listen each and every day guys that's going to do it here for me today really really do appreciate it please subscribe on youtube if you haven't already uh continue to comment continue to like throw me a heart uh give me a positive review on apple Podcasts if you so please as always we'll do it again tomorrow if you're new to the show hope you enjoyed it pull up a chair and uh we'll try again tomorrow everybody until then enjoy the rest of your tuesday and we will talk on a wednesday